Hi there! Welcome to another episode of Stories That Made Us. This week's tale is a continuation of the past week, the second part of our three-part tale of Adam and Eve. In the previous episode, we spoke of God's intent to create man and angels' opposition to the love and freedom of will and conscience that God chose to gift mankind. We spoke of the creation of Adam, of the existence, nature and the journey of our souls. And in doing so, we spent time talking about the disposition of an ideal man and the nature of Adam. Check out all that if you missed it in last week's episode. The tale continues this week where we speak of the fall of Satan, the creation of woman, Adam and Eve's life in the Garden of Eden and finally, the fall of man. The story has been recounted from the book titled The Legends of the Jews by Louis Ginsberg. The details are in the show notes. Alright, then let's begin with our story for this week. The extraordinary qualities with which Adam was blessed, physical and spiritual as well, aroused the envy of the angels. They attempted to consume him with fire, and he would have perished had not the protecting hand of God rested upon him, and established peace between him and the heavenly host. In particular, Satan was jealous of the first man, and his evil thoughts finally led to his downfall. After Adam had been endowed with a soul, God invited all the angels to come and pay him reverence and homage. Satan, the greatest of the angels in heaven, with twelve wings, instead of six like the others, refused to pay heed to the behest of God, saying, You did create us angels from the splendor of the Shekinah, and now you command us to cast ourselves down before the creature which you did fashion out of the dust of the ground? God answered, Yet this dust of the ground has more wisdom and understanding than you. Satan demanded a trial of wit with Adam, and God assented thereto, saying, I have created beasts, birds and reptiles. I shall have them all come before thee and before Adam. If you are able to give them names, I shall command Adam to show honor unto you and you shall rest next to the Shekinah of my glory. But if not, and Adam calls them by the names I have assigned to them, then you will be subject to Adam, and he shall have a presence in my garden, and cultivate it. Thus spoke God, and he betook himself to paradise, Satan following him. When Adam beheld God, he said to his wife, O oh, come! Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Now Satan then attempted to assign names to the animals. He failed with the first two that presented themselves, the ox and the cow. God led two others before him, the camel and the donkey, but unfortunately with the same result. Then God turned to Adam and questioned him regarding the names of the same animals framing his questions in such a wise way that the first letter of the first word was the same as the first letter of the name of the animal standing before him. 
Thus, Adam divined the proper name, and Satan was forced to acknowledge the superiority of the first man. Nevertheless, he broke out in wild outcries that reached the heavens, and he refused to do homage unto Adam as he had been bidden. The host of angels led by him did likewise, in spite of the urgent representations of Michael, who was the first to prostrate himself before Adam in order to show a good example to the other angels. Michael addressed Satan, Give adoration to the image of God, for if you do not, then the Lord God will break out in wrath against you. Satan replied, if he breaks out in wrath against me, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will be like the Most High. At once God flung Satan and his host out of heaven, down to the earth, and from that moment dates the enmity between Satan and man. Now when Adam first opened his eyes and beheld the world about him, he broke into the praise of God. How great are your works, O Lord, he said. But his admiration for the world surrounding him did not exceed the admiration all creatures conceived for Adam. They took him to be their creator, and they all came to offer him adoration. But he spoke, Why do you come to worship me? No, you and I will together acknowledge the majesty and the might of him who has created us all. The Lord reigns supreme, he continued. He is unparalleled with majesty. And not alone the creatures on earth, even the angels thought Adam the Lord of all, and they were about to salute him with holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts when God caused sleep to fall upon him, and then the angels knew that he was but a human being. The purpose of the sleep that enfolded Adam was to give him a wife, so that human race might develop, and all creatures recognized the difference between God and man. When the earth heard what God had resolved to do, it began to tremble and quake. I have not the strength, it said, to provide food for the herd of Adam's descendants. But God pacified it with the words, I and you together will find food for the herd. Accordingly, time was divided between God and the earth. God took the night, and earth took the day. Refreshing sleep nourishes and strengthens man. It affords him rest and life while the earth brings forth produce with the help of God, who waters it. Yet, man must work the earth to earn his food. The divine resolution to bestow a company upon Adam met the wishes of man, who had been overcome by a feeling of isolation when the animals came to him in pairs to be named. To banish his loneliness, Lilith was first given to Adam as wife. Like him, she had been created out of the dust of the ground, but she remained with him only a short time, because she insisted upon enjoying full equality with her husband. 
she derived her rights from their identical origin. With the help of the ineffable name which she pronounced, Lilith flew away from Adam and vanished in the thin air. Adam complained before God that the wife he had given him had deserted him, and God sent forth three angels to capture her. They found her in the Red Sea, and they sought to make her go back with the threat that, unless she went, she would lose a hundred of her demon children daily by death. But Lilith preferred this punishment to living with Adam. She takes her revenge by injuring babies, baby boys during the first night of their life, while baby girls are exposed to her wicked designs until they are 20 days old. The only way to ward off the evil is to attach an amulet bearing the names of the three angel captors to the children, for such had been the agreement between them. The woman destined to become the true companion of man was taken from Adam's body, for when like is joined unto like, the union is indissoluble. The creation of woman from man was possible because Adam originally had two faces, which were separated at the birth of Eve. When God was at the point of making Eve, he said, I will not make her from the head of man, lest she carry her head high in arrogant pride, not from the eye, lest she be wanton-eyed, not from the ear, lest she be an eavesdropper, not from the neck, lest she be insolent, not from the mouth, lest she be a tattler, not from the heart, lest she be inclined to envy, not from the hand, lest she be a meddler, not from the foot, lest she be a gadabout. I will form her from a chaste portion of the body, and to every limb and organ as he formed it, God said, Be chaste be chased. The physical formation of woman is far more complicated than that of man, as it must be for the function of childbearing, and likewise the intelligence of woman matures more quickly than the intelligence of man. Many of the physical and psychical differences between the two sexes must be attributed to the fact that man was formed from the ground, and woman from bone. The man must ask the woman to be his wife, and not the woman to the man to be her husband, because it is man who hath sustained the loss of his rib, and he sallies forth to make good his loss again. The very differences between the sexes in garb and social forms go back to the origin of man and woman for their reasons. Woman covers her hair in token of Eve's having brought sin into the world. She tries to hide her shame, and women precede men in funeral courting, because it was woman who brought death into the world. And the religious commands addressed to women alone are connected with the history of Eve. Adam was the heave offering of the world, and Eve defiled it. As expiation, all women are commanded to separate a heave offering from the dough, and because women extinguish the light of man's soul, she is bidden to kindle the Sabbath light.
Adam was first made to fall into a deep sleep before the rib for Eve was taken from his side. For had he washed her creation, she would not have awakened love in him. To this day, it is true that men do not appreciate the charms of women whom they have known and observed from childhood up. Indeed, God had created a wife for Adam before Eve, but he would not have her because she had been made in his presence. Knowing well all the details of her formation, he was repelled by her. But when Adam aroused himself from his profound sleep and saw Eve before him in all her surprising beauty and grace, he exclaimed, This is she who caused my heart to throb many an eye. Yet he discerned at once what the nature of woman was. She would, he knew, seek to carry her point with man, either by anger or tears, or flattery and caresses. The wedding of the first couple was celebrated with pomp never repeated in the whole world course of history since. God himself, before presenting her to Adam, attired and adorned Eve as a bride. Yeah, he appealed to the angels, saying, Come, let us perform services for friendship of Adam and his helpmate, for the world rests upon friendly services, and they are more pleasing in my sight than the sacrifices Israel will offer upon the altar. The angels accordingly surrounded the marriage canopy and God pronounced the blessings upon the bridal couple, as the Hazan does under the huppah. The angels then danced and played upon musical instruments before Adam and Eve in their ten bridal chambers of gold, pearls, and precious stones, which God had prepared for them. Adam called his wife Isha, and himself he called Ish abandoning the name of Adam which he had borne before the creation of Eve, for the reason that God added his own name, Yah, to the names of man and the woman, Yod to Ish, and He to Isha, to indicate that as long as they walked in ways of God and observed his commandments, his name would shield them against all harms. But if they went astray, his name would be withdrawn, and instead of Ish, there would remain Esh, fire, a fire issuing from each and consuming the other. The Garden of Eden was the abode of the first man and woman, and the souls of all men must pass through it after death before they reach their final destination. For the souls of the departed must go through seven portals before they arrive in the heaven Arabot. There the souls of the pious are transformed into angels, and there they remain forever, praising God and feasting their sight upon the glory of the Shekinah. The first portal is the cave of Machpelah in the vicinity of Paradise, which is under the care and supervision of Adam. If the soul that represents herself at the portal is worthy, he calls out, Make room, you are welcome. 
The soul then proceeds until she arrives at the gates of paradise guarded by the cherubim and the flaming sword. If she is not found worthy, she is consumed by the sword. Otherwise, she receives a pass bill which admits her to the terrestrial paradise. Therein is a pillar of smoke and light, extending from paradise to the gate of heaven, and it depends upon the character of the soul, whether she can climb upward on it and reach the heaven. The third portal, Zebul, is at the entrance of heaven. If the soul is worthy, the god opens the portal and admits her to the heavenly temple. Michael then presents the soul to God and conducts her to the seventh portal, Arabot, within which the souls of the pious, changed to angels, praise the Lord and feed on the glory of the Shekinah. In paradise stands the tree of life and the tree of knowledge, the latter forming a hedge about the former. Only he who has cleared a path for himself through the tree of knowledge can come close to the tree of life, which is so huge that it would take a man 500 years to traverse a distance equal to the diameter of the trunk, and no less vast is the space shaded by its crown of branches. From beneath it flows forth the water that irrigates the whole earth, parting thence into four streams, the Ganges, the Nile, the Tigris, and the Euphrates. But it was during the days of creation that the realm of plants looked to the waters of earth for nourishment. Later on, God made plants dependent upon the rain, the upper waters. Clouds rise from earth to heaven, where water is poured into them from a conduit. The plant began to feel the effect of the water only after Adam was created. Although they had been brought forth on the third day, God did not permit them to sprout and appear above the surface of the earth until Adam prayed to him to give food unto them. For God longs for the prayers of the pious. Paradise being such as it was, it was naturally not necessary for Adam to work the land. True, the Lord God put the man into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it, but that only means he is to study the Torah there and fulfill the commandments of God. There were especially six commandments which every human being is expected to heed. Man should not worship idols, nor blaspheme God, nor commit murder, nor incest, nor theft and robbery, and all generations have the duty of instituting measures of law and order. One more such command there was, but it was a temporary injunction. Adam was to eat only the green things of the field. But the prohibition against the use of animals for food was revoked in Noah's time, after the deluge. Nevertheless, Adam was not cut off from the enjoyment of meat dishes, though he was not permitted to slaughter animals for the appeasing of his appetite. The angels brought him meat and wine, serving him like attendants. 
and as the angels ministered to his wounds, so also the animals. They were holy under his dominion, and their food they took out of his land and out of Eve's. In all respects, the animal world had a different relation to Adam from their relation to his descendants, and they feared the first human couple, all of which changed into the opposite after the fall of man. Among the animals, the serpent was notable. Of all of them, he had the most excellent qualities, in some of which he even resembled man. Like man, the serpent stood upright upon two feet, and in height he was equal to the camel. Had it not been for the fall of man, which brought about misfortune to them too, one pair of serpents could have sufficed to perform all the works a man has to do, and, besides, they would have supplied him with silver, gold, gems and pearls. As a matter of fact, it was the very ability of the serpent that led to the ruin of man and its own ruin. The serpent's superior mental gifts caused him to become an infidel. It likewise explains the envy of man, especially of his conjugal relations. Envy made him meditate ways and means of bringing about the death of Adam. He was too well acquainted with the character of the man to attempt to exercise tricks of persuasion upon him. And he approached the woman, knowing that women are beguiled easily. The conversation with Eve was cunningly planned, and she could not help but be caught in a trap. The serpent began, Is it true that the God has said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? We may, rejoined Eve, eat the fruit of all the trees in the garden, except that which is in the midst of the garden, and that we may not even touch, lest we be stricken with death. She spoke thus because in his zeal to guard her against the transgressing of the divine command, Adam had forbidden Eve to touch the tree, though God had mentioned only the eating of the fruit. It was Adam's exaggeration that afforded the serpent the possibility of persuading Eve to taste of the forbidden fruit. The serpent pushed Eve against the tree and said, You see that touching the tree has not caused your death. As little will it hurt you to eat the fruit of the tree. Not but malevolence has prompted the prohibition, for as soon as you eat thereof, you shall be as God. As he creates and destroys worlds, so will you have the power to create and destroy. He himself ate first the fruit of the tree, and then he created the world. Therefore does he forbid you to eat of the same tree, lest you create other worlds. Furthermore, have you not observed that every creature has dominion over the creature fashioned before itself? The heavens were made on the first day, and they are kept in place by firmament made on the second day. The sky in turn is ruled by the plants, 
the creation of the third day, for they take up all the water of the firmament. The sun and the other celestial bodies, which were created on the fourth day, have power over the world of plants. They can ripen their fruits, which flourish only through their influence. The creation of the fifth day, the animal world, rules over the celestial spheres. Witness the creation of the trees, which can darken the sun with its branches. But you are the masters of the whole creation, because you were the last to be created. Hasten now and eat of the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, and become independent of God, lest God brings forth still other creatures to bear rule over you. To give due weight to these words, the serpent began to shake the tree violently and bring down its fruit. He then ate the fruit himself, saying, As I do not die of eating the fruit, so will you not die. Now Eve could not but say to herself, All that my master, so she called Adam, commanded me is but lies. Now as Eve saw this, she was determined to follow the advice of the serpent. Yet she could not bring herself to disobey the command of God utterly. She then made a compromise with her conscience. First, she ate only the outside skin of the fruit. And then, seeing that death did not fell her, she ate the fruit itself. Scarce had she finished when she saw the angel of death before her. Expecting her end to come immediately, she resolves to make Adam eat of the forbidden fruit as well, lest he espouse another wife after her death. It required tears and lamentations on her part to prevail upon Adam to take the baleful step. Not yet satisfied, she gave of the fruit to all the living beings, that they too might be subject to death. All ate, and they are all now mortal, with the exception of the bird Malum, who refused to eat the fruits with the bird. Is it not enough that you have sinned against God and have brought death to others? Must you still come to me and seek to persuade me to disobeying God's command? that I may eat and die thereof. I will not do your bidding. A heavenly voice was then heard to say to Adam and Eve, To you was the command given, yet you did not heed it. You did transgress it, and you did seek to persuade the bird Malam. The bird was steadfast, and he feared me, although I gave him no command. Therefore, the Malam shall never taste of death, neither he nor his descendants. They shall all live forever in paradise. When Adam heard this, he then spoke to Eve. Did you give me the fruit of the tree which I had forbidden you to eat? Did you give me thereof? For my eyes are open and the teeth in my mouth are set on edge. Eve then answered, As my teeth were set on edge, 
so may the teeth of all living beings be set on edge. The first result was that Adam and Eve became naked, before their bodies had been overlaid with horny skin and enveloped with a cloud of glory. No sooner had they violated the command given to them than the cloud of glory and the horny skin dropped from them, and they stood there in their nakedness and ashamed. Adam tried to gather leaves from the trees to cover part of their bodies, but he heard one tree after the other say, There is the thief that deceived his creator. Nay, the man of pride shall not come against me, nor the hand of wicked touch me. Hence, and take no leaves from me. Only the fig tree granted him permission to take of its leaves. That was because the fig was the forbidden fruit itself. That's all for the second part of the three-part tale of Adam and Eve. In the next episode, we speak of the punishment of the first of our progenitors, of Adam's repentance, sickness, and death, and the fall of mankind from the perspective of Eve. So stay tuned for the next week's episode. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and a feedback. Let me know of your thoughts on Twitter and Instagram. Our social media handle is at stories tht mde us. That's at stories tht mde us. You may choose to email us at info.storiesthatmadeus at gmail.com. That's all we have for this episode. Until the next, goodbye.